0: That was beautiful, Daniel, thank you. As I mentioned to the children, we are continuing our one another sermon series and we've looked at love and bear with, and now we are on forgive. And this word, one another, um, we've, we've talked about is allelon. And it has this uh, reciprocity to it, this mutuality to it. And we, um, we turned it into a verb, this Creston Church verb, this one-anothering. So how are we doing? How are we doing with our one-anothering? I've, I've, I hear you talking about it. I hear it coming up here and there and, and in the hallways and such. How are we doing? Well, as I read our scripture passage today, which is from, also from Ephesians. Last week we were in Ephesians. We're in Ephesians again. We're at Ephesians 4, starting with verse 25. And I'll pose this question as I read the scripture. What is your experience with forgiveness in the church? And it looks... Oh, it looks like we got to go in here. Okay. Um, the, the, The text will be on the screen. What is your experience with forgiveness and the church? So here, God's word from Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. From Ephesians 4, beginning at verse 25. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. So our scripture passage today that I just read is part of the same letter that we read last week. It's just The book of Ephesians is just one letter, and it's a continuing letter to the Ephesians church, the church in Ephesus, about how to be the church. And last week we talked about bearing with one another in love, and we talked about how that involves a bit of sacrifice, and that we don't choose our family. This is our family. God chooses our family. And, you know, you put up with me this week. I'll put up with you next week that there's a mutuality to it, right? And last week, Paul really hit on the topic of unity, that we are one, that we're one in Christ, that there are, there's no VIP status in the family of God. That, well, you know, once you put your time in and you've been a member of the church for a really long time, then you're really, you know, you've got extra pull versus the people who are just new on the block. You know, they got to, you know, nope, we're all one in Christ. We're, you know, it's all equal footing that um, we're, there's one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God over all. If you're a follower of Jesus, you're all have equal footing. You're all on the same page. You're all in the same boat. We are one in Christ. And not only that, with that alleloning, we belong to each other. We are connected mysteriously through Christ. It's this beautiful thing, hard thing, rewarding, important, valuable. We belong to each other. Well, in today's passage, we've just received this hearty list of guidance fleshing out what it means to belong to one another and how we are to act. This is, this is what it looks like to be well together. So um, people who follow Jesus, if this is who you are, if this is how you identify as a person who follows Jesus— then this is what you're signing up for. This is what it's it's supposed to look like. And again, this is Paul's encouragement to the Ephesian church. They're converts. They're new to the game. They haven't been hearing this stuff all their lives. They haven't been going to uh, Sunday school and to sprouts and seedlings and roots and all of the things. And they haven't had a house church and they haven't done all that stuff their whole lives. They're they're new to the table. So they're they're just learning. And Paul's writing them a letter of encouragement. And he has just in the previous paragraph talked about putting off the old self. So you know, you might have acted certain ways for, you know, all however you used to behave, but this is the new self. This is the new way. This is this is your new team. So, like for example, if you follow formula 1 if you have um, now transferred from Mercedes to Red Bull, you are now on the Red Bull team. And you don't sort of think about how they used to drive at Mercedes and, and what they used to wear. And you, know, you, can, you don't have your foot in both camps. No, you're 100% Red Bull. You, you drive their car, you wear their uniform, you, you use their strategy, you're all in. And the Apostle Paul is saying, this is what it's like To be all in and he gives them each each of our verses is sort of the don't do this do this instead don't do this old self old team do this instead new team old team new team old team new team so I'm gonna go through this pretty quickly because we can I mean I'll go through it quickly so we can get to the forgiveness piece so but the very first verse in verse 25 we get a fundamental detail that will impact the rest of the passage. Verse 25 says, Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. So here's the first half of the verse. Put off falsehood. So um, stop being um, duplicitous or de- deceitful or, or uh, not bearing your honest, full, hearty, straightforward self, and instead speak truthfully. But not just speak truthfully, speak truthfully to your neighbor. Who is your neighbor? The person next to you, the person close to you. So it's not that people in the church speak truthfully to the person across town about the person next to you. We need to be speaking truthfully to the people next to us. That's how Christians behave. We're, we're, we talk to each other. Sometimes speaking the truth to one another is hard. But that's how we do things. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have the hard conversations. Because that's honorable, and that's, that's what Jesus calls us to. So put off falsehood, speak truthfully, and here's the kicker. Here's the central piece that informs the rest of the passage. For we are all members of one body. This is really the, the key to the whole thing. Another way to say that is we belong to each other. Put off falsehood. Don't be dishonest. Because we belong to each other. We're, we're part of the same body. If you're dishonest with me, you're being dishonest with yourself. Because we are part of the same team. We're the same body. It, speak truthfully to one another. If you honor me, you, you honor yourself. If you treat the, the, the body well, the whole body is affected. If you harm a piece of the body, one piece of the body that you don't like or you don't care about or you, don't, you wish wasn't part of the body, The whole body is affected. That doesn't work. You don't get to pick and choose. Well, I don't like the foot, but I really like hands, so I'm going to be nice to the hands, but I'm just going to, you know, stomp on the feet, you know. The whole body is affected when we care for or don't care for any particular part of the body. And then it just, if we could add that phrase to every single instruction that Paul offers next. So we will. Still no longer. But work doing something useful. Share with those in need. We belong because we belong to one another. We're all part of the body. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Interestingly, here comes the talk again. This is... Paul's right back to words and and how we talk to each other. Apparently, this is a key issue. Do not let any wholesome talk come out of your mouths, but things that build others up. Why? Because we belong to one another. Trash-talking a part of the body hurts the whole body. So don't do it because you're hurting yourself. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, and slander, and malice. Because we belong to each other. Be kind and compassionate. And here's the key for today. Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Because we belong to each other. Because we belong to each other. This is an instruction and a commandment and a guidance and an urging. Because this is good for the body. Now, New Testament scholar N.T. Wright says, kindness and mutual forgiveness are the essence of Christian community kindness, and mutual forgiveness. And then Martin Luther, the Protestant reformer, takes it even further, and he writes, the continual forgiveness of the neighbor is the primary and foremost duty of a Christian. So it's not just the essence, it's the duty. It's like central, fundamental, must, not negotiable. Yet, we struggle with the discipline of forgiveness. Forgiveness doesn't seem fair. It doesn't feel right or just to forgive. When we forgive people, we let them off the hook, and that's exasperating. You... Are suffering as a result of someone else's selfishness or pride or indulgence or insensitivity or abuse or arrogance or exclusivity or fill in the blank. The ways people in the church hurt one another is remarkable. And, and, a reminder, Paul is talking about people in the church, how people in the church need to be treating people in the church. Yet, to us, forgiveness doesn't seem fair. It doesn't feel fair or just. People need to pay for what they've done, they need to know your pain and be corrected and punished. Or how will they learn? How will the cycle of sin be broken? We know we're supposed to forgive. We know that. But the call to forgive is a tough one to heed. And so many of us just don't do it. We choose instead to remain in a place of unforgiveness, and that Unforgiveness festers and yields what Scripture describes in verse 431 as a life of bitterness and rage and anger, often resulting in brawling and slander and malice. And so the initial harm that was caused multiplies, and that's devastating for all involved. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Well, thankfully, it's not on us to figure out what to do about sin and forgiveness. God has that covered. There's an old rabbinic story. Before God created the world, God looked into the future and saw human joy and goodness and beauty, but also humanity's misdeeds, a trail of tears and blood. So God decided to forgive the world in advance before bringing it into being. The point being that forgiveness... Was foundational to God's character before the beginning of time. Verse 5, 1 and 2, the end of our passage today, says, Follow God's example and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And these truths, in these these few short verses not only encourage us, but also empower us to forgive because we are a forgiven people. And it's through Christ that we can forgive, not in our own strength, not in our own magnanimity, not because we're just so amazing we can do those things, but it's only through Christ that we can do this. Now, it's important to note that to forgive is not simply to sweep infractions under the rug as if something never happened. We're not asked to do that. Jesus doesn't do that. And it's not what we're expected to do. Um, One of the best books on forgiveness that I've read is by Miroslav Volf, He's a Croatian Protestant theologian. Amazing book. Not awesome to listen to. He's kind of flat, but it's um, free of charge is this book that I just think is fabulous. But Mirzlav Wolf is um, just a, some of the observations he makes about it's, it's a book is about giving and forgiving in a world stripped of grace is what he, he talks about the way people roll these days isn't as grace-filled as we could be. And But he talks about forgiveness. He talks about, first of all, in forgiveness, it's important, first of all, to name the wrongdoing and condemn it. Acknowledge what has been done to you and acknowledge this was wrong. This hurt. This was not okay. Name it. Acknowledge it. And then the second element to forgiveness is to choose not to count the wrongdoing against the wrongdoer. To make an act of choice. And the third element that is so important to Christian forgiveness is to recognize that forgiveness always happens in a triangle. Not just between two people. That when it comes to, if forgiveness were just between two people, it might be a little wobbly because we would be dependent on ourselves. And we might even be tempted to uh, keep a record and then watch for the future. Let's just see how things go. And, you know, keep our secret account book. We're not so reliable, we people. But forgiveness happens in a triangle so there's the person wronged and the wrongdoer and God and when we forgive the transaction of forgiving naming the wrong and choosing to not hold the wrong against the wrongdoer the other element to that is to give the person to Jesus, to release them. A beautiful example of this triangle relationship of forgiveness is told through Corrie Ten Boom's story. You may have heard this story. I, um, she was Corrie Ten Boom was a member of the Dutch resistance during World War II and she hid Jews in her home and then an informant turned her in to the Nazis and she and her sister Betsy were arrested and sent to Ravensbrück uh, concentration camp and then in Ravensbrück her sister Betsy died. And um, following the war after um, after the war was over, Corrie Ten Boom's life's work was about healing and recovery. And she went about Germany preaching on forgiveness. And this is part of her story. People were filing out of the basement room where I had just spoken. It was 1947, and I had come from Holland to defeated Germany with the message that God forgives. It was the truth they needed most to hear in that bitter, bombed-out land, and I gave them my favorite mental picture. Maybe because the sea is never far from a Hollander's mind, I liked to think that that's where forgiven sins were thrown. When we confess sins, I said, God casts them into the deepest ocean gone forever. And that's when I saw him working his way forward against the others. One moment I saw the overcoat and the brown hat he was wearing. The next, a blue uniform and a visored cap with its skull and crossbones. She was having a flashback. It came back with a rush. The huge room with its harsh overhead lights, the pathetic pile of dresses and shoes in the center of the floor, the shame of walking naked past this man. I could see my sister's frail form ahead of me, ribs sharp beneath the parchment skin. Betsy, you were so thin. Now... This man was in front of me, hand thrust out. A fine message, Fräulein, how good it is to know that as you say, all our sins are at the bottom of the sea. You mentioned Ravensbrück in your talk, he was saying. I was a guard in there. But since that time, he went on, "'I have become a Christian. "'I know that God has forgiven me "'for the cruel things I did there, "'but I would like to hear it from your lips as well. Fräulein. again, the hand came out, "'will you forgive me?' "'And I stood there. "'I, whose sins had every day to be forgiven,' and could not. Betsy had died in Ravensbrook. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out, but to me it seemed like hours as I wrestled for the most difficult thing I had ever had to do. But I had to do it. I knew it. I knew it not only as a commandment of God, but also as a daily experience. Since the end of the war, I had had a home in Holland for victims of Nazi brutality. Those who were able to forgive their former enemies were able also to return to the outside world and rebuild their lives no matter what the physical scars. But those who nursed their bitterness remained invalids. It was as simple and as horrible as that. And still, I stood there with the coldness of clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will, and the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me, I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so, woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder and raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried, with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. Do you have someone in your life that you need to forgive? Have you been wronged? Have you been wronged deeply in your soul? Have you been wronged even a little bit that just ticks you off enough that you can't let it go? Have you been wronged by someone who claims to be a follower of Jesus and And agrees with all of the things that we just read. And yet, and yet, forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is really hard. And yet, we belong to one another. And in order to be the body in all of the fullness and health that God has for us, we need to be a people of forgiveness because we belong to one another. And God can help us with that. I have a cross up here. We have placed a cross up here. And there are ribbons by, in baskets by the cross. And we're going to sing now. And I invite you, during the song, Beneath the Cross of Jesus, To come forward and take a ribbon that might represent for you someone that you need to forgive and lay it on the cross. And maybe for you that's all you need to do to forgive and that will be done and you're done. Or maybe that's the beginning. Maybe that's the beginning of taking steps toward forgiveness. But Um, it's just an invitation to participate in the action of forgive one another as God invites us to do and then once our children come back from um, Sunday school we will move into Lord's Supper once they all get here Um, let's pray loving God we thank you that you invite us to forgive Mm -hmm. and we thank you that we are forgiving people that we are forgiven people but God as we've acknowledged forgiveness is hard and we can't do it Mm -hmm. without you so we say help help Lord by the power of your Holy Spirit Jesus help us you are an expert at forgiveness. You are so forgiving. Help us image you by also being able to release those we need to forgive. Thank you that you are faithful and you will do it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.